to another episode of Iron Tape. I am Bagbiti Lazy, the host of this show. Um, I know I have not released for quite some time, but I am now back. And no, sir, I am not alone this time. I am with the founder and CEO of Clinalytics, a startup created with the vision to provide premier technology solutions that will improve the quality of healthcare in Africa. Today, we will be talking about the healthcare industry, challenges that founders face, and tips for starting a business centered around tech solutions. So without wasting any more time, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our first ever guest on the podcast, Jabulani Nyembe. Uh, thank you so much, Bayanda. Uh, I'm very happy and uh, it's a pleasure to be here and I look forward uh, to engaging with you. Same here, same here. Um, so just to break the ice, uh, if you don't mind, could you please tell the audience more about who Chabulani Nyembe is? Okay, uh, th- that's quite a difficult one, but um, <laughs> Chabulani uh, Nyembe is uh, a young person who's really passionate about making a difference in the community, uh, especially mm-hmm. within South Africa and Africa. Uh, I'm from uh, Secunda. Uh, there's a township called Embalently in Secunda. That's where I was born and grew up. Uh, I have a degree in medical sciences from the University of Pretoria, and I've worked for a brief stint within the healthcare industry as a clinical data analyst and administrator. But I'm really passionate about um, business. I really love business. I love learning a lot. And uh, that's a brief intro about who I am. I've done various other things, uh, including public speaking, uh, also coaching in public speaking, uh, both at a local and an international level. So that's more of a hobby for me. But that's a brief uh, intro and history of who Chablan Nyembe is. Oh, that's good. That's great. Uh, And you mentioned something about data analytics. So I wanted to know then, like, how did you start out in tech? Like, please tell me more about your journey, like how it all started, as well as like the challenges that you faced along the way. Because I know that at some point, every person who's in tech does face some challenges, uh, either during the process of learning or when they are doing whatever it is that they have learned to do. Okay, uh, we all have different journeys and uh, mine is one of the uh, least likely journeys you'll find in tech. Uh, and as I said that I have uh, a medical science degree uh, and uh, when I got a job, uh, I worked for uh, a healthcare facility. Um, we saw on average about 120 patients a day. Uh, so um, my role was mainly to uh, ensure that the data is well captured, we can interpret the data of what happens within the healthcare facility, and we can see how we improve the operations of the healthcare facility, of which the bottom line of uh, my work or reporting was to ensure that there are less clinical complications uh, among patients. So uh, if you are aware, South Africa has a really huge scale of chronic conditions. If you look at the top five causes of natural death in South Africa, uh, still the leader is TB, and then you will find other culprits such as hypertension, diabetes, heart conditions, and then HIV as well. So most patients that are, are there in South Africa, they need more of a lifelong management and of which data 
is at the center of that. So as a person who's really analytical in nature and now had uh, a background, especially around physiology and pharmacology, I could combine those skills to help uh, the healthcare facility I was working for, uh, of which it took a lot of time. And that's when I realized that if this process of the work that I was doing, uh, I was doing manually could be digitized, perhaps it could be easily scaled uh, to help other healthcare facilities and healthcare workers in the country uh, who are facing similar challenges uh, or who are so concerned about uh, their patients and how they are doing, especially chronic condition patients. So in terms of tech, that's more of an angle that I'm coming from, uh, from uh, a data analytics angle and more from a designer angle uh, rather than from uh, a developer angle. So coming into tech now, that was the biggest challenge that, all right, uh, it's quite clear that I can't build this solution by myself because I'm not a programmer. How can I now uh, come up with a solution bring it to market when I don't have those skills. And in comparing, I had, well, I like to believe I have, uh, you know, business skills, uh, the knowledge as well. So I had those and I saw that it might be quite difficult for me to start from scratch and uh, to be a builder. Uh, in many cases in businesses, uh, there's usually the builder and there's the business side of things. Uh, look at your apple. Uh, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. So I saw that at the age that I'm at, it might be difficult for me to go back to uh, learning how to build, but I have the other skills. So let me focus on that and leverage partnerships to get the product that I want, but I did design it. So that's more of my journey into tech. Um, so is this where the whole idea of Kinalytics came about from you, like looking at the problem and saying, even though I cannot do programming sound of things i have this like um list of skills so why don't i create something that will assist in the problem yes yes because i i had the idea uh, i tried with the idea a lot in my mind but there's usually a push uh you know uh that comes uh when you do lots of work there's usually that push that you know what this work might be bigger than you get started on it it's not just an idea and in my case uh, it was um two instances uh the first being a more personal one uh, i had a mother uh, i have a mother who uh, is hypertensive and mm. is within the public health care uh, system uh, and uh, her blood pressure was not monitored uh, for over a year, which led to complications and she had heart failure. So it was wow. that problem that uh, if the data was looked at, if there was, if healthcare workers had ease of access to this data of uh, that this patient three months ago, this was their blood pressure. This patient six months ago, this was their blood pressure. If they had ease of access to that data, maybe uh, this could have been prevented. And unfortunately, I had another case of a colleague where uh, unfortunately she ended up passing away uh, and the death could not be prevented and it happened right in front of me. So that's where now oh, the wow. big push uh, came in that, you know what, let's work on this. Let's see if we can bring it to life. Let's at least try. So that was the push from an idea to really start working on it because it turns out that it, it's something bigger uh, than myself. So that was the push to get started. 
so rest in peace. I'm sure that it was devastating for you. And I feel like it might have been like one of the things, including your mother, that really pushed you to try and make this work. It, it definitely is. It definitely is. Uh, you know, uh, within the healthcare sector, um, healthcare workers are taught uh, you know, not to play God. Uh, they can't create life. They can't also uh, choose when to end life. Uh, mm. But there are other cases, you know, of deaths or complications that uh, could be prevented from happening in the future. And uh, it, it's one of those noble causes that if you can play a hand uh, in helping, you know, improve our healthcare sector, then do that. Because another thing I would like to raise, uh, Bayanda, is South Africa has the best healthcare workers in the world. Like the talent is there. Like if you look at healthcare innovation over the past century and the role that South Africa played, it's immense. Like dating back to you know the first uh, open heart surgery to right now, uh, for yeah. example, we had uh, the first successful middle ear transplant that happened here in South Africa. Had the first yeah. successful penile transplant that happened in South Africa. There's a lot of innovations that have come, but there's one area that has lagged and hasn't changed over the past hundred years. You know that last mile of healthcare when now the services are delivered to a patient at a primary healthcare level, that hasn't changed. If you bring a patient who passed away eight years ago uh, to right now and you put them in our healthcare system uh, at a clinic, uh, it's most likely still exactly the same as it was those years ago. They have to queue for hours to have a patient file opened. Uh, they would end up getting medical attention after a couple of hours. So now if we have such talented healthcare workers who have proved time and time again, the issue then must be resources, the issue must be tools. How can we create those tools so that they can continue doing this brilliant work, which at the end of the day boils down to patience. And another thing with working in the healthcare sector is that South Africa has 60 million people. Every single one of them is a patient. So how can we improve the lives of patients of which me, you and everyone else is a patient? I feel like people, when they look at that, like when they look on the outside, uh, creating a startup seems very easy, right? Seems like yes. this part, like this puzzle of problems is, is very shallow and it is not as deep as it seems. So if you don't mind, like, could you please share uh, more about like the hurdles that you encounter or like the problems that you have encountered from like when you started to where you're currently at right now? Okay, uh, I will highlight a few that stand out, uh, of which uh, they are quite common if you talk to other founders, both local uh, and abroad. Uh, so I, I, I did lots of research and planning, you know, before um, deciding to make this work. Uh, firstly, I did some risk analysis to see what could be the risk of this not working. And some of the key uh, things that I identified or key risks I identified was the issue you know, of knowledge. So it was the matter of how can I uh, de-risk that. Uh, so then that was upon me to get as much knowledge as possible, how things work in business, then boiling, 
down to startups, how things work in startups, of which there are so many resources. So uh, to a certain extent, I managed to de-risk that. And you know, you take a uh, page from what other startups have done, especially abroad in the likes of Silicon Valley. But then there's a rude awakening uh, when you are now within the field and you are playing, that hits you that, uh, sure, startups are startups, whether you're in Silicon Valley or whatnot, but they are really not. Uh, it hits you that uh, you are in South Africa. Uh, in my case, uh, I'm a black male from a township. So things are a bit different. Uh, the way I pursue things, they should be a bit different. You know, you don't have as much a risk appetite because so many people are dependent on you financially. Uh, so those are some of the things that are different. Therefore, you won't be as keen to take as many risks as possible. And one of the biggest enablers uh, to take as much risk as possible uh, within sane uh, measurements, of course, is capital. Uh, that's one of the biggest uh, challenges that we've faced and many other yeah. startups continue to face within Africa. Because the issue of capital uh, in this case, it's not that I need capital uh, to get started. We have started, but you need capital mm -hmm. to run as many experiments as possible and reach as yeah. many uh, clients as possible. So that's uh, one of the biggest challenges that. And then uh, another thing within our context uh, that I've been faced uh, with a lot that is a challenge is the issue of our human capital in terms of yeah. skills, especially within tech. Uh, as I mean, as I mentioned that you are in South Africa, so you have to be reasonable, you know, uh, I can't go to Bayanda. Uh, well, I can, but it will be quite difficult for me to go to Bayanda to convince Bayanda uh, to take a huge pay cut or even not have uh, any paycheck over the next couple of months to join us on this noble mm. mission when Ubayanda has so many people that are dependent um, on Ubayanda, you know, financially, yeah. uh, whether it is family and whatnot. So it becomes increasingly difficult without capital to then get our human capital to assist you uh, on this journey. So I would say those are the three challenges, capital, human capital, and also knowledge. Yeah, um, and like speaking on like going to people, I believe that it is hard because you don't really know whether or not what you're building is going to work right, or yes. is going to succeed. So it is often hard for people to accept uh, working for free in order to help you in building whatever it is that you're building because there is no guarantee really. Yes, 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 yes. You know, I've been uh, so fortunate in my case uh, and uh, everyone that I'm currently working with and those that I've worked with uh, is that uh, they, brought, uh, they bought into two things. Uh, firstly, uh, they were sold on me, uh, so they were willing, you know, to bet on me and uh, to follow me. So I've been really fortunate with that. And then secondly, it was the cause um, and the mission, you know, that we are on. Uh, they believed in it enough uh, that it was worth solving and that we were en route to uh, solving that challenge and they were willing, you know, to be involved. 
uh, even at some cost, but because they believe in the mission themselves and they are mm. willing enough to bet on me. So uh, I've been really fortunate to have uh, people like that uh, in working uh, on Clinalytics. Yeah, um, so like moving on, uh, I also like wanted to touch again more on like the healthcare space. Do you believe there has been like some sort of improvement or progression within like the African healthcare space? Because like, as you said, uh, we have ticked all the boxes, but then one of the boxes that we haven't ticked is digitalizing stuff, right? Making information more accessible to clients. Do you believe that there has been some sort of improvement within that space? Uh, the, especially of late, uh, you know, uh, even healthcare workers themselves are buying into digitization uh, of uh, data within the healthcare space. Because when we look at healthcare technology uh, globally, it's a different uh, game than what it should be, you know, in Africa. So if you look at US or Europe, uh, they are looking, you know, into uh, hardware Uh, They are playing with other stuff because they've passed this digitization stuff. So now they are creating other things that are more expensive within the hardware space. But in South Africa or within Africa, you know, primary healthcare, just access to healthcare itself is still a challenge for so many people. So we have to improve that before we can create some innovative hardware that patients can get. And then in terms of digitization itself, uh, you know, there are a few other uh, companies that are evangelizing uh, this mission, uh, especially West Africa coming to East Africa, uh, it's picking up steam, uh, and then also within South Africa itself. However, uh, as of late, the biggest driver in terms of digitization has been uh, the unfortunate advent uh, of the pandemic itself, which is COVID-19. It pushed many healthcare workers and healthcare facilities uh, to go digital, like they had no choice after that. And then another thing that I've also taken note of uh, with the recent incidents that happened in South Africa, uh, the uproar and looting that happened a couple of weeks back. Uh, I am in Durban, so that's where uh, you know, everything started and uh, Deben was one of the hardest hit uh, cities in South Africa during these events and mainly businesses yeah. were hardest hit, including healthcare facilities. And uh, when they were going back up, uh, many that were, uh, you know, staunch believers in manual, uh, they started also reaching out to us. Uh, now they see that, you know, so many things can happen in such a short space. Uh, digital is the way to go. Uh, they can have ease of access to patients' records wherever they are. They can easily manage bookings and appointments of patients wherever they are. They don't need to be physically within the healthcare facilities, uh, of which some patient records have been damaged. Uh, you know, others where they write their bookings and appointments, such books were either bent or are missing. So that has also also been another uh, driver and accelerate in terms of uh, digital uh, digitization of healthcare. But we're still a long way off. Uh, I won't lie, we're still a long way off. Uh, maybe two years from now, the case would be different, but we're still a long way off. Yeah, um, I totally agree with you in that part of saying that we do have a long way to go. 
we really do have a long way to go in this country, especially when it comes to advancing in technology within itself. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, because uh, uh, another, you know, operating in South Africa, we have to understand the South African context. So I'll break down just a few figures for the healthcare sector in South Africa. Uh, 80% of, uh, of the population in South Africa relies on public health care. Uh, but however, mm-hmm. half of all money that is spent within healthcare in South Africa is spent within the private healthcare. So uh, they are driving some sort of innovation uh, within the private healthcare sector, but in terms of meaningful impact uh, to patients, it's limited to 20% uh, of the population. Uh, But you know, there are other uh, factors that may drive innovation uh, in the upcoming years. For example, uh, the Department of Health for um, the past decade have been preaching and are pushing in uh, this National Health Insurance Bill, uh, of which they have been uh, in the testing phase of it, uh, of which many are opposed to it. Uh, if implemented in its current form, it will also now allow many of patients within the public health care sector to benefit from some of the knowledge or innovation that has been in the private sector thanks to the capital that is available there. So healthcare sector technology, it's a totally different game uh, within South Africa. Uh, when you go abroad, uh, you become surprised at uh, their healthcare system. For example, I've had the fortune uh, to go to the United Kingdom. It's a totally different game. Uh, so, but we are trying our best in South Africa. Uh, there is change that is coming, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, uh, we'll ensure uh, that majority of the population of South Africa as patients, they do at least get quality health care. Um, so, moving on to another question. Um, I really do believe in order for our country to be more equal, I feel like technology is able to play a very huge part in making it much more equal because there are a lot of barriers to entry in doing certain things and one of the things that really restrain people uh, is technology. Do you feel like more stuff has to be implemented like in, in, in schools or we have to find more ways of like providing people with skill sets that enable them to compete and in this world of technology? That, 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 that's quite a difficult one. Uh, of course, our education system needs a bit of an overhaul uh, you mm. know, to uh, adapt in uh, the kind of world that we live in now. Uh, but the biggest driver of technology uh, from an entrepreneurship standpoint, it has always been uh, people who are willing to take risks. Uh, and they drive it as much as possible. Uh, and the way technology usually starts uh, in terms of creeping in into our society, uh, things usually start with the reach. So people usually create a product, the product is adopted by the reach, uh, and then uh, 
when it now becomes more affordable, it goes to everyone else. So Uber is an example of that. It started more, you know, for your celebrities and people to get uh, limousines to move around. Later on, when it's de-risked enough, it gets to uh, the entire population and it's now more funded. So it, it, it is the case in South Africa. I don't believe that uh, even if uh, people are taught more about digital and technology, it will enable them to create new technologies, but perhaps it will enable the society to uh, take current technologies at a, mass, at a much faster rate. But the thing mm. with technology is that uh, as universal as it is, uh, it's not quite universal. It has to fit into the context of the country and you know how the country is. Uh, certain mm. technologies cannot be adopted when a country has a high illiteracy rate. Certain technologies, whether we like it or not, cannot be adopted in a country that uh, has high poverty rates. Many people live in rural areas where they don't even have access to internet, so they can simply just mm. learn about technology, but there's no way that technology can improve their lives. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a multifaceted solution. Uh, but, you know, uh, looking at South Africa, uh, right now, uh, technology is available to people in townships. So there are also other uh, friends in my network, especially around education, that are trying now to get, uh, you know, uh, education, things like robotics, into the public health, into the public uh, education system. So that will mm. expose many children, perhaps drive them to want to take more risks, want to create more want to solve more problems with technology. But as you have stated, it is one of the greatest equalizers uh, that is available uh, in the world. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really great answer to the, to the question. I don't think that I could add more onto that. Um, yes. So, yeah, another question that I want to ask was, do you have any sort of tips for people who want to start startups that are centered like around tech solutions like are there any things that they should look out for or like core things that they should focus on in the beginning and things like that uh it's it's difficult to say but uh i would focus you know on knowledge uh, i would focus on knowledge and there are so many information libraries that are now available around tech startups uh, you know, because there are other failures that happen within startups uh, that are preventable, that are more uh, founder-driven failures than market-driven failures. So it's a matter of de-risking that. Uh, I remember uh, listening to Peter Thiel. He explains that, you know, startups is about eliminating as much risk as possible. So there's founder risk, there's market risk, there's capital risk. So when founders are raising capital, it's a matter of using that capital to eliminate some risks within the business so the business can be as successful as possible and profitable. So one of the earliest risks that are there is knowledge risks. So, uh, you know, for, with the problem that you're trying to solve, uh, are you the best person to solve that problem? Uh, are you are able to build uh, a solution to that problem? Are you able to find people who can help you build solutions to that problem? 
are there people who are willing you know to uh, take the solution do people think the problem is sufficient enough that it has to be solved it warrants uh, such a solution so and then now when it's a startup how do you operate a startup like even when it's just you how do you do certain things uh, those risks uh, information or knowledge related risk it's uh they are quite easy to de-risk early on just through learning and uh, one of uh, the greatest libraries that i've been using you know for learning has been uh y combinator startup school information is available for free founders who have done this uh they are sharing those uh, or such information to everyone and then secondly another way to risk this is a network getting you know into uh, the tech space network there are so many people uh especially even here in south africa who are willing to mm. share knowledge collaborate so it helps de-risk so many things earlier on so that you can now face you know much more serious risks such as market risk and capital risk so the knowledge make sure you learn as much as possible and as early on as possible that will teach you you know some basic things within tech startups such as uh, instead of focusing on building the product and making it perfect you should build an mvp and get it to the hands of users as fast as possible uh, it sounds so general because we are now used to it because we are within the tech sector but it's one mm. of those things that you know for someone who's outside they may not think like that so learning mm. hearing from people who have done that uh, and being able to make those decisions uh, is really important so knowledge risk uh, get as knowledgeable as much as possible it doesn't take uh, much it doesn't require you to go to a university to get a degree to learn that specific of knowledge it's available on the internet so yeah that's what i, I would really uh, talk on because uh what i did or what another founder did may not necessarily work for everyone else i remember i was uh, listening to naval and he was saying that uh, a successful person describing you know step by step what they did is like giving you their winning lotto numbers those numbers have been used up for their ticket and they won you won't mm -hmm. win with those numbers but getting the foundation of how things work or should be done will help you in your own context when you're trying to now experiment so that's what i would really advise oh yeah that's that's a really good response and also also speaking about getting help from outside i feel like it, it is essential especially when you're starting out in something to 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 go out there even if it's not a finished product yet and you're still like in the process of building it i feel like it's very important for one to go out there and interact with people who have sort of experienced what you are going through so you can get a better understanding of maybe like how to maneuver through all these problems that you will encounter i mean for me it has been very helpful uh from when i started i was like in tech like really getting into tech i didn't know what to do or what to use and i often relied on youtube and to some extent it was helpful but then they didn't really have answers to the problems that I faced, right? Yes. So me going out and really interacting with people who are within that space was really helpful in my progress of teaching myself all the things that I know now. Yes, definitely. Because I think, you know, as a startup, the most uh, valuable thing uh, is time. 
So if there mm. are people who can help you prevent mistakes that you would have made a few weeks from now, that's invaluable. It saves you so much time and as a result, capital to try out more things. So definitely, I agree with you there. I want to like to ask, because like I'm really interested in knowing more about like analytics. So like I want to know like the progress that you have made so far. Like looking back, are you are you really happy with the progress that has been made? Um, I don't think anyone is ever happy with where they are, but uh, mm. they are usually pride proud of the strides. Uh, that they have made you know. so uh, you know as analytics if i were to use you know uh, vc funding uh terminology to describe where we are i would say you know we are a seed stage startup uh you know mm. we've created the product uh we have the product in the market uh, it's getting traction within the market uh, we're learning a lot of things from our users that are helping guide us on what needs to be improved, changed, or even removed. So I'm really proud of that, uh, where we are considering the resources that uh, we have or had. So I'm really, uh, really proud there. But uh, we are also not where we want to be. Uh, we are not where, uh, for example, uh, in January I wanted us to be. But the things that we've achieved, some of them I never anticipated or planned for them to come so much sooner. So uh, we are, it's been uh, an amazing journey and we have amazing partners uh, that who have helped us in this journey. I, I don't know if I can mention some of them. Uh, so for example, uh, you know, we have partners such as uh, the Tony Lomelu Foundation, which is based in Nigeria. So, you know, those are some of the partners that have helped us de-risk so many things early on, capital-wise. Uh, we've worked with other amazing partners as well, uh, such as the University of KwaZulu-Natal, which was one of our, our early investors. So having such partners on board has really helped. And then there are healthcare workers, healthcare facilities that our clients, uh, it's been an amazing journey working with them. So I'm proud of where we are. Uh, but uh, yeah, we have so much to achieve uh, and hopefully, and I know for sure, we will get there. All right, all right. Um, oh, by the way, congratulations on your accolades because at the time when I was going through your website, I saw the section where you had a list of your accolades. So congratulations. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, within the tech space, those are very... Uh, polarizing uh, accolades. Mm -hmm. Something I will also add just for a few seconds talk about because, you know, as a tech startup, you don't want to focus on awards, uh, yeah. you, but you want to focus on your uh, users and getting as much information. However, I really have to stress such recognition and awards, they are sort of some uh, validation of what you are doing as much as you get validation from uh, your customers but they really do give you that motivation because it is a difficult journey uh something that is not really talked about a lot it's a difficult journey so such recognitions mm. and awards uh, help you to give you you know that bit of strength in the morning to go out there and talk to your users so yes thank you so much that's that's very true with like regards yeah. to the accolades and because even with tournaments like within the tech space, things like hackathons and all these small awards may seem very small to people outside, but from people who are in tech, 
it mean a lot because even if you don't win this gives you a lot of exposure this gives you and your products a lot of exposure from yeah, this I, alone i definitely cannot stress that enough uh also it gives you now access to a much wider network whether from the convenience of such uh tournaments or uh, summits and also now in the tournament itself or such hackathons that you can collaborate on moving uh, forward of which collaboration is really really an important part uh, that we have to talk about more here in the south african context given the res- uh, the constraints uh, of resources collaborations help so such uh, events you know help in that regard uh, so yeah definitely yeah so before we close off um where can people find you okay uh so for uh clinalytics uh we are available on uh social media uh facebook linkedin uh, and twitter at clinalytics that c l i n a l y t i c s so it's clinical plus analytics clinalytics so that's where we are available uh, and they can uh, also visit our website uh, www.clinalytics.co.za uh, if people are interested uh, in us working with their healthcare providers they can definitely uh, contact us on social media or on the said website uh, that's great uh, once again thank you very much Shabalani, for taking your time uh, to talk to us to share your story and to give some tips and advice to people out there I really appreciate it no, uh, Bayanda, uh, thank you so much for having me uh, and uh, I look forward to hearing uh, this episode. Uh, hopefully uh, it helps shine a light or just, you know, uh, helps me uh, to connect with other people within the tech space as well uh, and to also hear future episodes about what other people are doing within the tech space. Uh, it's not as big as, you know, Silicon Valley, so such a network or a platform where we can find other uh, people within the tech space is really, really valuable. So I'm very much honored uh, for being part of this episode.